Hey, what's up? This is Kat Jones, your host. Today is February 26th, 2020. Queer all year. <laughs> hey, what's up? This is Bom Bom. Kat Jones, your host, uh, and I am joined, as always, with my bro and sound producer, Mick G. A la derecha! Bom, bom. Sorry, we've got that song stuck in our head. <laughs> we watched the music video today and decided we never, ever need to be high because that music video is the highest you can ever be. And it added some pretty good material for Patreon, so check that out. Oh, we got a video. <laughs> Videos. Yes. Indeed. Indeed. I think I said this on the last episode, so you can tell that we're crazy about the song. Go listen to it. It's yellow, Y-E-L-L-O, and uh, the song is called, Oh Yeah. Oh Yeah. Okay, that's it's in my head. Can't do it. Huh. This episode is going to be 100% just us going, bom, bom. Oh Yeah. <laughs> The moon. Okay, I gotta stop. Beautiful. <laughs> Watch that video. It, it, oh my gosh. Okay. Um, I've forgotten how we even start episodes. Um, we have two stories again, as often as you probably as, as usual. I intend to have three. I always have two. Um, and then we have a little segment with Mick G. And um. But I guess I'll go straight into the first story since I don't remember how these things start now that I've started them this way for the past five episodes or so. So our first story is about Queen Christina of Sweden. And um, as you know, I can ramble on for quite a while about various monarchs and such. I uh, could ramble a bit about her. I don't know um, as much about her as I do other people because I specifically... I researched her for this episode, but as I am wont to do, I have fallen down a Queen Christina hole, and, um, yeah, sure, I'll talk about, at least she's got something to do with, you know, the queer community. So, um, her, she was in line for the crown, um, and became the queen at age six when her father died in the Battle of Lutzen, and I'm not sure why I decided... I needed to include that information. Um, she didn't actually begin ruling until she was 18, so she had a regent. There was a... What do they call it? Just like a crown regent or something um, that ta- like, like takes care of the ruling business of sorts when um, someone who is uh, like a baby is the king or queen. Um like, um, Richard III was supposed to be the regent for, for the kid, the two princes in the tower who disappeared, and everyone says that he's the reason they disappeared, because as regent, if they died, he would be actual king, pretty much. They don't know what you mean. So Queen Cersei was um, the regent queen to Joffrey because he was too young to be king. That They'll know what you mean. I feel like there's a lot of shows that people know that from, but okay. If you don't know what a region is, why are you listening to my show? Okay. <laughs> um, so, um, her father left instructions that she was to be uh, trained and raised and educated in the same way um, they expected uh, male princes 
to be um, educated, which was um, very different from um, female children in general because um, female um, heirs, I guess, not really heirs, were not heirs. They were just going to marry someone someday. So they were taught to, like, do nice little needlework and um, not read all that much, pretend to read so they looked interesting but then just kind of fan themselves and get a husband and then uh become a queen of something and then when her husband dies then like float around uh europe and have nowhere to go uh and hopefully her family will take her back in but most likely not that kind of thing anyway um so but she um was educated like a prince would be and not set up to be married off because she was the queen in her own right. Uh, she wasn't, like I said, actually, I think her coronation was when she was 18, but she was technically still the queen for all intents and purposes. Um, her father had wanted her to be raised by his sister, Christina's aunt, um, and have um, the king, or her father's brother, Carl Gyllenhelm. Gyllenhelm, Gyllenhelm, as regent. So he was the regent. So her mother, Maria Eleonora, um, basically had not cared about her at all her whole life. And then suddenly she was like, oh my God, I love Christina. Oh my God, she's my favorite. I don't want you having like a surrogate mother. Oh my God, you're gonna, you're like my baby. Um, and she um, kind of went so crazy kind of that she um she banned christina's aunt and uncle from the court so that they couldn't be regent and um she wouldn't have like a surrogate mother um and uh so what is there's this uh, i'm gonna try and pronounce his name it's gonna be pretty great so oxenstierna oxenstierna oxen oxenstierna he was um like the person who kind of kept the household of the queen and also kind of kept everyone together. And I, I can't remember his official title because it didn't really line up with the titles that we expect these days. Um, so basically, he was just in charge of like, oh my gosh, that thing's embarrassing, get rid of that thing. So eventually he got rid of the thing that was her mother and put her in a, um insane asylum so Christina could go live with the family her father intended and that is the last i have heard of her mother she had a revolving door of um quote mothers so that she didn't become attached to anyone in particular so when her aunt died they just kind of had like four different women who like had different roles and um they like rotated kind of those roles and like pivoted and stuff and it was kind of kind of arbitrary at times, so she didn't become close to any of them. And um, so that did kind of um, form the basis of her inability to really form close relationships with people. Um, she did have a few close friends, um, but the ones that she has written about, um, we only know of a few close friends. Um, and of those pretty much all she writes about is how like she's so much better than them because she's more masculine than they are. So that's kind of where she's at in her, you know, um, development as a person and as a queen. Um, so 
the um this guy i can't remember his title the oxen stierna uh he said of her that she is not at all like a female uh because of her high intelligence and that of course was uh a compliment to not at all be like a female because then you could be smart and she was a patron of the arts and sciences um she invited the greatest minds from across the world to contribute to the cultural wealth of her country. And she's actually in several video games kind of geared toward. So she's like in uh, civilizations and she's in, you know, various strategy games like that um, as like, I don't know, her special moves or whatever. Uh, she is good at diplomacy and the arts and gathering like, I don't know, whatever that would help in civilizations. I haven't played that one. We played Age of Empires, which is better. Don't at me. Anyway, so um, she also really liked theater and was a disgusting thespian herself, like me. She liked to tread the boards, as they say. I feel like an idiot saying that. I feel like a disgusting thespian. I apologize. Um, so she was supposed to be raised as a Protestant, um, but, uh, around nine years old, she got really interested in Catholicism, and I'm not really sure how, because she was in a Protestant country, uh, her dad had died in war, um, fighting for the Protestants against Catholicism, um, so I'm not sure how she went from, you know, age six becoming the queen to age nine, like really, really getting into Catholicism. So someone in her, you know, sphere around her must have really, must have been a Catholic, you know, kind of like they used to try to do in all the schemes and stuff. And yeah, that, that's a whole episode. Um, she um, was interested mainly, what, what got her attention was the idea of celibacy. And again, this child is nine years old. Um, she was Partic particularly enthralled with the life of Catherine, or Catherine, goodness, Elizabeth I of England. She could have been obsessed with Catherine like I am sometimes because she was um, an, an amazing Catholic queen and she went through a lot of terrible things. I'm going to stop myself. Um, What's her name? Christina. <laughs> Got on Catherine. Christina wrote an autobiography that um, said she um, she included that she had a, quote, insurmountable distaste for marriage and for all the things that females talked about and did. So um, that's uh, quite a quite a statement to make. I mean, very hard, you know. For back then, sometimes it kind of like weasels around a little bit. But no, she's just like, I don't like females and being around them and gosh. But so she slept together in a bed with her closest friend, whose name was uh, Ebba Spare, maybe? Uh, some historians think they had a sexual relationship. Um, at the time, it was sort of becoming a little out of um, vogue, but it still wasn't rare for um, royalty to, you know, sleep in the same bed as their ladies-in-waiting or that kind of thing. So um, that's where there's some debate that comes in with historians there. Um, she did write her 
you know, some letters and like love letters and things like that. Um, so, well, they seem like love letters. There were letters in which they were like, you know, I love you dearly and all that kind of thing. And those letters are hard to interpret. Like, I mean, I go out and I try and interpret those kind of things and I'm like, well, yeah, but also no, I don't know. But so on February 26th, she announced that like Elizabeth the first, she had decided she wasn't going to marry. Um, she named her cousin Charles as her heir and people kind of freaked out a little bit. So finally she ended up abdicating in 1654, um, citing among other things, her absolute opposition to getting married. So there's a couple things I'm packing there. Abdication is what King Edward did and then went to join the Nazis. It's when you, um, are a regent, king, queen, etc., and you decide not to be anymore, and you step down. So, um, she ended up stepping down, um, having to step down because she was opposed to being married is, um, most likely because her main thing as a woman was to get married and produce an heir, and that's another thing that Elizabeth didn't like at all. So, she was, she was like, I'm not going to deal with you guys blathering at me. Like, you know, Elizabeth stood up to it, but she was, you know, like hardcore in your face. I'm just going to step down and you guys can like squabble over whatever yourselves. So she, um, stepped down and kind of, um, it's been a crazy life. Just kind of rambling around. Um, she was described in her mannerism and physicality as acting, uh, more societally, expected of a male and she um, often wore men's clothing um, a lot of times that I've seen the the um, things she was doing when she was wearing men's clothes tended to be things that like would be more convenient if you were wearing pants or you know shoes that didn't have whatever the style was at the time so um she there was um again there's you know, debate among historians. She's been called heterosexual, lesbian, bisexual, asexual, aromantic, transgender, hermaphroditic, a dabbler, intersex, and pretty much anything else you can think of. She says in her autobiography that she was, quote, neither male nor hermaphrodite as some people in the world have passed me for. So she was really just kind of her own self and there wasn't really labels back then. So, like I've said, I, I hesitate to put labels on people who aren't alive and who don't have, um, I guess, uh, any way to say, you know, in today's terms. So, um, she was clearly not someone who was gonna, you know, just sit back and take the standards of the time. And so, she is definitely under our queer umbrella. And I think it's really exciting to find historical mentions of things like this where people aren't necessarily in the closet. And with that having been said, here is a little segment with McGee. Hey, it's McGee. So uh, today, February 26th in 1933, though, Ground was broken for the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. 
Although reported to have been designed by M.M. O'Shaughnessy in the film Pineapple Express, it was actually designed by several engineers, the first being Joseph Strauss. It is considered an icon of American industry and a testament to human capabilities. Opening in 1937, the main purpose seems to be reducing ferry costs across the San Francisco Bay. The military tried to stop it from being built on the grounds that it might interfere with naval ships and be vulnerable to sabotage. Um, some people were blown off by the wind, though. I mean, that's, that's something. Anyway, it's quite a marvel of technology. I'm McGee, and this is a little segment. Alright, thank you, McG. I'm always interested in learning the insane things in your head. So, moving on to my story, which is insane, but also in an angry way. Um, I'm going to talk about the Supreme Court and the case of... Um, how am I going to pronounce this last name? Miriam Ben Shalom versus Stone, Secretary of the Army et al. And that's the name of the court case. So, um... Miriam Ben Shalom uh, was a um, a lesbian woman serving in the army, and she had been she had no idea that um, queer people were not allowed in the army. Her father fought in World War II. Her father fought Hitler. Her her father beat Hitler, and she can't be a lesbian in the army anyway. So she. Um, had been in the army for quite a while. Uh, she had had no issues at all based on anything. Um, and then one day she, um, said something to someone that made them think that she was a lesbian. So they went to her, um, commanding officer and her commanding officer pulled her in and said, Hey, are you gay? And she said, yes. And then she was fired. So she, um, you know, t- brought a court case and they said that she was saying that her First Amendment rights were violated just because she was saying that she was homosexual. Um, she um, was saying that just saying it wasn't um, any sort of violation or anything like that. Um, but her, on the first case, um, the court um, disagreed. Uh, they said that she was able to discuss homosexuality with others, complain about the military stance on it, and she was free to associate with people who were known to be homosexual, but her admission was the illegal part. The court stated, uh, it is the identity that makes her ineligible for military service, not the speaking of it aloud. Which is, um, yeah, really problematic obviously like upsetting as heck um so in 1990 they sent this to the supreme court well yeah they sent it to the supreme court um and they were considering whether to hear it um and the solicitor general star solicitor general star i i'm surprised we i don't i did not know we had solicitors honestly so i'm confused about what is happening there but anyway so he told the justices there was no reason to deal with that case 
quote, since the army's concern is with the potentially disruptive effect of homosexual conduct, it is obviously rational to exclude homosexuals while allowing heterosexuals to serve. And that is the least rational statement I've ever heard. It's rational to exclude homosexuals while allowing heterosexuals. I'm okay. Okay, sure. That's okay. Um, anyway, so on this date in history, the Supreme Court said, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, um, we're not going to hear it. We're going to kick it back down. And so that means that the original, um, the original statement or decision stood and, uh, Marian, Mariam Ben Shalom was not rehired and she was required to pay her, um, court costs, which I believe were up to $53,000. And she, um, I think as of 2015, was saying that she still had about $13,000 left on that. Um, she has had, I mean, she's had a, obviously a very difficult life since then. And um, I haven't seen anything about her trying to rejoin the military now that they're uh, on the surface more cool about it. Um, and I certainly wouldn't. But if I were her, I would be like, uh-uh. But um, I haven't seen anything about her bringing any court cases or anything, and there's probably nothing she can do anyway. It's, you know, uh, she already tried to bring something, and it's, whatever they're doing now is probably not retroactive. So um, that was 1990. Uh, the Supreme Court saying it's totally cool to uh, fire anyone who's gay keep out anyone who's gay because they're distracting um somehow i feel like i mean personally for me the whole army would be distracting i couldn't get through boot camp i'd just be distracted by falling down on the ropes and getting run over so i feel like there are more distracting things in life than being gay in the military anyway so um that is today in history um very weird day in history. If you would like to talk to us about how weird today was in history, you can find us on um, Queer All Year Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we're Queer All Year on Facebook. Our group is Queer All Year Fam, where you can go and hang out, and that's just another place to tell me why I'm weird, I guess. Um, if you would like to be awesome, you can head out to patreon.com slash queerallyearpod where you can get our bloopers, our ringtone, bonus episodes, um, bonus interviews, um, some very strange videos that we're taking right now of us recording. New videos. Probably very boring. McGee is going to have to like cut out the boring parts, which is like all of it. They will be on the first tier though, so that's good. Oh, sweet. First tier. Rock on. So there you go. One dollar gets you oh boy so um if you would like to help out in an awesome way that uh doesn't involve money you can subscribe and rate and review us on whatever podcast you choose to use um it uh helps us out the most if you would rate and review us on apple podcasts but we appreciate ratings and reviews anywhere because it just shows that you guys care about us and we care about you so we hope that you um are not too confused by this episode 
And that you continue to be part of the fight, to be part of history, help us getting reviews and ratings so more people can join, and then we will take over the world, and then we get to write the history. So, um, that having been said, viva la revolution, and we love you. <laughs>